everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. Today to talk about a, cu- a couple of things. Uh, a creator who uh, I've enjoyed his work for a long time. Got a chance to meet him this last year at San Diego Comic-Con. Get a few books signed. Uh, he's a fantastic, talented artist doing mostly covers these days. But he also has a Kickstarter going on right now for his art of Marvel. It's uh, David Nakayama. So, David, thanks for taking the time. Hi. Hey. How are you doing, Jace? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, like I said, we we had a chance to chat at San Diego Comic Con. You are you are one of us, man. You are a comic book fan, uh, but obviously an immense talent uh, as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, thirteen year old me. This is all I ever wanted to do. So <laughs> if I could go back and let thirteen year old me know know it worked out, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's kick it off uh, talking about that. Um, you're you're from Hawaii, born and raised. Uh, is there a big comic scene there? A local comic shop in your hometown? Like, uh, give us your uh, give us your kind of uh, background with comics. Sure. Um, yeah, de- definitely. When I was coming of age, it was like, you know, the early 90s. So for me, like 1990, 91. And then, of course, <laughs> by 92, every boy I knew <laughs> at school was buying comic books. Right. And I believe that's true all around the, the the entire country. So comics were hitting right when I was at the perfect age for it. And I was an artistic kid just looking for an outlet. So it was just perfect timing for me. And we had a huge comic culture. There was dozens of comic stores when I was growing up. These days, there, there are far fewer. There's just a handful now on our on our island. But uh, having recently visited Sydney, Australia, a huge city where they only have two comic stores, shockingly, I actually am pretty, pretty happy with the level of comic engagement on the small island of Oahu. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, as far as the fan community there and uh, other creators, is it uh, is it pretty robust as well? I think so. Yeah. Like there's definitely a lot of uh, interest and a lot of the local guys get together all the time and do comic jams. And, you know, we're, we're well represented when it, when the comic, sh- you know, shows like Amazing Comic Con or Honolulu Comic Con uh, are open. So I would say, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty artistic culture and you have a lot of talented local folks doing it around here. So one of the things I, I find is so interesting uh, you know, and this happened to me. I, I used to love to cook. I still love to cook, but then I did it professionally for a long time. I was, you know, a, a head chef and ran a restaurant and what have you. And man, awesome. it's, uh, it's great. But at the same time, when you do something professionally, it, it's just a different feel. And I found that, yeah, I don't enjoy cooking as much as I, as I used to. So mm. uh, I have to ask, like, and I've, I asked this of a lot of creators and it's so interesting because some, yes, they, they still, they're still weekend or uh, Wednesday warriors. They're still read a bunch of stuff. And then others are like, man, when I'm not working on comics, the last thing I want to do is be reading comics. So <laughs> uh, where, where do you follow? Are there still books that you follow or creators that you follow? Uh, or do you try to get away from it when you're not working on them? I do still really enjoy it. I do still go most weeks to pick up comics. Um, although it's, it's changed, you know, you know, my local store knows to hold things that I worked on for me and they know that I have a special fandom for J Scott Campbell or Adam Hughes. They know to pull that stuff aside for me. So I'm definitely going for that. And then in terms of continuing books, it it really, it, it seems pretty seasonal. So when the Krakoa era of X-Men was kicking off, I was really into it top of my stack, reading every new thing that came out. Absolutely love that. But at the moment, I don't know if there's something that reaches that high level for me. And I do, I have younger kids and I still read my, my daughter, uh, 
my favorites, you know, of all time. So we've been through the Tom Strongs and, uh, you know, maybe even some less appropriate stuff like the authority where I just sort of, you know, <laughs> use it as a teachable moment. Like, right. Yeah. So the point of it is that uh, I, I still do enjoy comics and reading them and reading them to my children. Yeah, that's great. And and that brings up, I'm glad you brought that up because here, here's the thing, like I, I hear a lot of people, oh, comics are not the same as they used to be and they're changing this or they're changing that or, you know, oh, it's a different person as Batman or a different person as Iron Man or whatever. Man, that doesn't invalidate the stuff you love. Go back and revisit previous eras, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to think that nothing is going to change over time. There's eras to everything. And, you know, what, what works in 2023 is absolutely not going to be the same if you as as the old stuff i when i for me the old stuff feels real dated and i can never go back uh i i'm looking for that that new modern flavor in anything i'm reading yeah and again it's it's all about challenge yourself and you know pushing the envelope creatively and you know you have sort of a behind the scenes look being that you've been in, involved with it for so long and you started out uh, doing a lot of interior work um, for me, I remember the first time that I really noticed your work was, uh, the city of heroes comics, which I, you know, I played the game wow. and loved them. And nice. yeah, those are the books I had you sign at San Diego comic-con. Um, and I just remember that being such a, it just was fantastic. It was so different kind of than anything had, that had come before, but later in your career, you've transitioned over, you're doing a lot of cover work. Obviously this, uh, Kickstarter that we'll talk about in a little bit is it really showcases a lot of your cover work. It, is there something that you miss about doing interiors? Do you prefer doing the covers? Like, where are you at right now in your uh, kind of on your uh, in your career? Well, I, I I did the interior thing for many years. It was you know the thing I was trying to make happen for for many years in my life, and I finally got it to happen. But it turned out to not be quite as sweet as I was hoping for because uh, let me frame it this way: you know, you you put in a whole month of your life to drawing one issue of a book. And then because of the speed required, you have to hand it off to an anchor and then you have to hand it off to a colorist. And what I kept finding, unfortunately, was that by the time it came out, I barely recognized my work a lot of the time. Mm. And it just felt demoralizing. I just I, I couldn't really be proud of this thing I was slaving over. And so I happened to uh, my career diverted into video games at about that point for a good 12 years. And I had a lot of time to study different techniques and think about what made me as an artist happy. And I, I think, you know, I, maybe I'm a control freak. I don't know, <laughs> possibly. But uh, being able to, you know, color my own work uh, really f became pretty essential to the way I do things. So a lot of people tell me they they like the color. Like if it was the, the first thing they love about my work is is the color. And I, I kind of feel the same. I feel like that's so essential to what I do. It has to be a part of the way I work. So covers make uh, sense for that. Uh, I cannot go back to being a penciler and having the stuff change from out, out from under me, you know. But all that said, um, my big wish right now is to to go back and do my own book, soup to nuts, you know, write the thing, draw the whole thing. I have the story. I even have the first issue plotted out page by page. I'm, I'm, I've gotten that far with it, but I haven't been able to find one minute to draw. <laughs> so someday. Oh yeah, I mean that that was going to be kind of my, my next question. Yeah, if you if if you really want it to be your vision, you know, just do the whole thing. I'm sure you you know you have a huge fan base as you probably know, so I'm sure they'll all show up for it, uh, as evidenced by people showing up for your uh, Art of Marvel book again, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
Um, but I'm glad you brought up color because yes, that is, you know, something that I noticed you, uh, particularly with a, a lot of the DC coverage you've been doing lately, a lot of kind of negative space, you know, if it's Arsenal, it's red, if it's ice, it's blue and what have you. Um, and he, here's the thing, like, I feel like your style uh, really is very traditionally super heroic and very approachable. And I talk about this all the time in books. It's like the more primary the color it really sells that feeling of being kind of this traditional, you know, super heroic. Like if you, if you take a Superman uh, image, somebody like Lieb or Mayho, where it's, uh, it's more realistic colors, it's more gritty, it's more muted. That works for, for Lee's style. Right. But it, it does feel more grounded and kind of more realistic. That's that kind of color wouldn't suit your, your line work and, and vice versa, right? Like your, your color palette wouldn't necessarily suit what Lee does. Uh, so I, you know, I commend you on really having an understanding of that. And I think that's what really, you know, you mentioned fans coming up to you and saying they love the color. I think you just have a great understanding of, of how to make your work pop. Um, and it, so it doesn't surprise me to hear because I think really it is that idea of uh, very primary bright colors with your uh, traditional style of, of line work and, and the way that you present um, heroes. So did that, was that an evolution for you? Did you realize that over time as you started doing more cover work that it come from your work in video games? Give us a little background on that. Uh, yeah, this is, this is definitely an evolution, right? You go as an artist, you, you can go through school and learn all the techniques, you know, learn how to shade, learn how to paint, learn how to charcoal, you know, like there are all these tools that are sitting in front of you. And then the tough choice is how do you, you know, of those things, what are you going to choose to be how you put yourself forward in the world? You know, in other words, what, what is your style and how is it different from everybody else's? So that, that was especially true for me going through video games because, you know, each video game does not look the same. Each one has different art directions. So I, I had the ability to draw super realistically and I had the ability to draw super cartoony. So if you look back at my earlier work, I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm trying things. I'm, I'm breaking things, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out what is even me. And what I ultimately came to is like, well, wait a minute, what, what's the most fun part about making art for me? You know, like, why don't I just put all the my favorite moves into one style and, 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 and see what that is. And so what you got is, if you really look, if you break down my style at this point today, it's changing all the time. But right now, uh, you know, what you call line art is, is like the last step. It's 5% of the process. Everything else, most of the interiors is all fully painted, believe it or not, digitally. There, there's no lines in there at all. But at the very end, I come in and I put some lines on there because I love the juxtaposition between graphic black lines and full painted, you know, rendering. I, I think that's distinctive and interesting. And I, and I like to, I like to work that way. Um, and then the other thought I had too was, you know, okay, you know, like if you really want to do realistic, there, that's what cameras are for. You know, th this is comics. What we need to do is create a visual language that can only exist in comics. Uh, something that feels fresh and poppy and primal. And, you know, like as you were, I, I, I think you have your finger on it, like those bright colors being primary, that feels like pop art, explosion, maximum excitement. That's that's what I'm going for. I'm looking for that that thing that is essentially comics, but also brings in, 
you know, these new techniques I was talking about in the video game. So, yep, that's my synthesis. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I've never heard of anybody that, that you almost work backwards doing the lines last, uh, you know, really focusing on the color. That's so, that's so interesting. The other thing uh, that I talk to uh, with a lot of um, people that do primary uh, uh, covers, uh, Joshua Middleton and I have had this conversation. It's, you're still telling a story, right? Like if you're doing interiors, obviously it's sequential yeah. and, and you need, you know, transitions to tell the story from panel to panel. But even in one image, you want to convey a story or a, or a mood or a tone that really invites somebody into the book. Obviously your colors pop and that's going to draw somebody's eye. But then once they actually look at the image, there is a story to be told. There's emotion to be conveyed. So when you're, uh, when you get, uh, assigned a cover or, you, or somebody approaches you to do a cover when you think about what you want to convey in terms of you know that story told in one image what is that uh, process like for you uh yeah I, you know it, it is that there's definitely a story even even with this scarlet witch art that you've got on your your screen right now it's just a it's a pose right but what's she looking at what's she thinking you know like that there's a, at minimum there's you know the interior uh, dialogue that's in the character's head at a very at the very minimum. But uh, I, I, one, one time I actually had this this panel about the making of cover art that where I have to be sitting next to my favorite artist of all time, J. Scott Campbell, by the way. So no pressure <laughs> to say anything <laughs> stupid. Uh, but we, we spent the hour talking about uh, well, what is it that makes a, a cover interesting? And, and it is storytelling, but it's also so many other things that people aren't really thinking of. Um, so, you know, there's good draftsmanship that helps, but there's also, you know, the graphic design of the thing, you know, there's, there's stuff like humor and sex appeal and, uh, you know, like I, if I had more, a little more time to think about, it, I could give you a list about 20 elements long. Um, and as a cover artist, you're, you're, I think trying to put in as many of those as you can, like the more, the merrier, um, sometimes a, a visual illusion or something at the end of the day, all of it is there in the service of engaging the reader. That's that's the whole job at the end of the day. So whether I'm telling that great story or I just caught your eye because of some color trick, whatever it is, uh, if I got your attention compared to all the other books on the stands, then I win. That's that's the whole job of a cover artist. Uh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, so I, I imagine at this point, you've been doing it so long and you're so great at it. it in a way, it's become instinctual. And do you feel like it's gotten easier uh, as you've gone along? Uh, yeah, good. Yes and no. Um, I, I do remember in the beginning when I came back out of video games to do covers, um, I was really overthinking it. You know, I would do probably way too many uh, layouts, give the, uh, the editors way too many choices <laughs> to my detriment. They always pick the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> um and now I, I'm more confident. I kind of know what the vision is. I'll give them a couple of different ways to a, approach it. But but often I find that I'm going in with a pretty clear idea of what, what I think will work. Um, and that's that's just, I guess, practice. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the campaign that's going on right now, everybody. There'll be a link in the show notes. You can go click there and join. Uh, it has well surpassed its goal, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Yay! Uh, yeah, congrats on that, David. But for you listeners and you fans of David, what that means is you know you're going to get it, right? With Kickstarter, we know if it doesn't reach the goal, you know, it, it's not funded. You, you're not charged, but you don't get the uh, the product. Well, here, you know you're going to get it. 
It's at uh, over a hundred, almost 130,000. Uh, it's over 128,000 right now uh, with a goal of 10, uh, 10,000. So uh, it's the Marvel art of David Nakayama. It's a deluxe hardcover. Um, there's portfolios, there's other add-ons. You can get some original art, you can get remarks. Um, it, it's just, it's a fantastic showcase of uh, of your art. So uh, give us some background. How did this come about? Did Marvel uh, approach you? Uh, was it Clover Press that approached you? I know they've done a, a couple of previous ones. I think David Mack and uh, Alex Maleev, uh, yep. which is they, their art is gorgeous as well, but very different than than uh, your style. So give us some background on how the project came about. Yeah, it, it was a remarkable timing because exactly when they, they, uh, Popped in my emails. I had I had been talking with my my retailer partner, Unknown Comics, about us just going ahead and making our own. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of artists just make homebrew sketchbooks, whatever. We're we're in the process of of thinking through that, and then almost as if by magic, Clover Press and Hank Knolls showed up uh, in my email, and they're like, "Hey, we we have the official license for Marvel to do beautiful hardcover." you know, coffee table books, um, would you be interested? And I was, I was like, uh, absolutely. I, I couldn't be more interested. That's going to be about a thousand times better than anything I could cludge together on my, on my own. So yeah, very happy to work with these absolute pros, um, in putting this thing together. They really know what they're doing. They're going all out. You can, you can tell by the quality of the Kickstarter alone. They've, they've done this before and they, they know how to make it happen. So, um, yep. I feel like I'm in really good hands. I love all the extras, like did not expect to get stickers, trading cards, portfolio yes. set. Uh, all of this is just really icing on the cake uh, for me. And and the book is bucket list. <laughs> you know, I, I've sadly never had one before. It's a little overdue. A lot of fans have been asking for this kind of thing for a long time. And, and I really appreciate them showing up now to the Kickstarter. And it's really been kind of uh humbling you know like all the all the support people have shown for it already so thank you guys if you've if you've backed my book i really appreciate it yeah uh again you have such a uh really great fan base first of all as you mentioned but uh yeah your your style i think just it lends itself to having something really nice like this and one of the things i love about it i, I love that like even the edges of the pages have that Kind of that red foil like i love when books do that you know rather so than just, cool yeah it's so good and there's there's a slip case everybody uh which you can get so again um the link is in the show notes you can go check it out there's about a uh, little less than three weeks to go uh as david and i are talking and i'll take this opportunity to remind everybody as I always do when we talk about kickstarters maybe you love david's style maybe you would love to get your hands on this hardcover but uh times are tight and you just uh, can't manage it right now the other way you can help out david and uh and everybody at clover press is just share this right get it out there share it on social media let your retailer know there's a retail retailer pack where they can get eight copies and sell them in their store um because the First thing is to find out about this after it's done, right? After the Kickstarter is already gone and then, oh man, I would have backed it. And then you maybe have to pay more on secondary market if you can even find one, that sort of thing. So yeah, let's let's get it out there. Let's spread the word so all of David's fans can uh, can get a chance to, uh, to check it out. Um, I, I did want to ask you, David, in terms of um, the, the pieces of art that are in the book, like, was that mm. you collaborating with Clover Press? Did you just uh, pick stuff to send over there? Like, how did you decide? I mean, again, you've been doing this for so long, you know, albeit with that break in the middle, but um, how did you choose what uh, what to showcase in in the hardcover? 
Yeah. Uh, so that's all that's left to do in this book. You know, like, as you can see, all the the cover and the the the, the, the treatments, like what's on the cover? What are the different covers? All that stuff. That's all done. Uh, all that's left to do really is take my art files and put them in some kind of order in this book. So when, once the... Uh, uh, once we finish up with the Kickstarter, that's going to be our job. I have already done the work of going back through all my files, uh, you know, well over 10 years, going back to like 2014, uh, 2013, you know, somewhere in there and picking out all the best ones. And there's something like 300 files uh, for these covers. And all we got to do is, you know, uh, put them in the right order you know, try to find, I think we're going to do it chronologically. It just makes more sense right. you know, to, uh, for people to kind of start at the beginning and see how, you know, how it developed over time and end on the really strong stuff that's coming out now. Um, but that's uh, what we're talking about it right now. Uh, it's it's going to take a little while, but not too long. And then we'll be off to printing. <laughs> so it's, it's all happening quickly. Well, that's fantastic. So uh, again, everybody link in the show notes, go check it out. Um, yeah, I I need to bid. I haven't gotten my tier in, but yeah, I definitely want that on my uh, on my shelf as well. Um, so it's been great chatting with you, David. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, before I let you go, though, I do have to mention one other thing. Uh, I know what a huge J. Scott Campbell fan you are. I know you, know, you mentioned yeah. him being your, your hero. Uh, he is doing the forward for the book. So that Holy had crap, to be right? like, yeah. Was that Hank going to J. Scott? Did you ask him? Like, how did that? How did that happen? I, uh, you know, I, I I mentioned we had been on a a panel once before, and um, one time for Hero we did a, a jam piece. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, imagine imagine my fear, my excitement, whatever. Like they, <laughs> J. Scott Campbell, eleven by seventeen original, shows up in the mail one day with half of it blank, and I'm supposed to draw the other half right, yeah. <laughs> next to the, the greatest among us, right? Like it's no pressure at all. I get to admire the work up close. Notice how he's made no mistakes at all. There's no whiteout on the entire thing. <laughs> like, of course, he's got no whiteout on the whole thing. You know, right. it's perfect. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm laying that out there just to show you how excited uh, I have been about this guy. I had his, his stuff pinned up on my wall when I was a student at the Kubert School goes back forever. And he's always been like the nicest guy. So Hank at, at Clover goes, oh, I was starting to think about the forward. Do you have anyone in mind? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know we were going to do a forward, but there's really only one person who, who means that much to me in all of comics. And it's, it's Mr. Campbell. So I was like, I don't know if we can get him. I don't know if he would be willing to do that. But I wrote him like the most heartfelt, like genuine letter possible told him what I just said. Uh, I said, if you could just even do a paragraph, you know, like, uh, you know, it would mean the world to me. And, and then, uh, you know, sure enough, he, he, he agreed to do it. Uh, it couldn't have been nicer about it. Um, to me, it's like one of the biggest selling points of the whole book. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, I don't know. What, what more can I say? I'm I'm a giant fan and he really did me a solid there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think uh, it'll be so gratifying for you, you know, once you have a copy in your hands, because it'll, you know, especially doing it chron- chronologically, like you mentioned, to see how far you've come. I know a lot of creators, uh, especially artists, they look back on their early work and they, feel, you know, get a little cringy, uh, but, you know, it does <laughs> yeah. show you how far you've come. 
Um, and yeah, to have your hero write the forward and, you know, just probably say just how fantastic you are. Uh, I think that's really gratifying on top of, as you mentioned, the fans have shown up already, right? Almost $130,000 pledge. So uh, it, great time to be uh, David Naki. It blows my mind. I, I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing that's great about Kickstarter, right? Like it removes that barrier. It's you really uh, communicating and getting to sort of engage directly with your fan base. And um, I think, again, with the, the the turnout so far, it really shows that uh, people really enjoy what you're doing. Your art is connecting with people. Uh, it, it's, it's remarkable. I couldn't have called it. I've never done a Kickstarter before. I almost had to make a new account, like just to do this, you know, that's how little I, I've, I've interacted. I, I backed some friends campaigns, but I've definitely never run one before. So I was asking the publisher, Hank, uh, yesterday after, after the first day, I'm like, uh, so is this good? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good number? He's like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing that it does, I think is, uh, again, we know you got to pay the bills. So you got to keep doing those, uh, those covers for Marvel and DC and what have you. But if you do have time to work on that creator owned, mm. you know, if you do decide to go the self-published route, it certainly seems like your fan base will show up and support that as well. It it makes me a little less nervous about it for sure. I I just uh, I just got to find the time, and that has yeah. been elusive for yes. well over a year. I've been working yeah. on the, the thinking for it, and uh, one day, one day we'll get there. Yeah. Well, when the time is right, uh, and it's going to happen, we'll definitely have you back on to uh, to tell everybody all about it. So, uh, again, David, best of luck with Kickstarter, everybody. Like I said, there's about 20 days left, so you have time. But that being said, don't wait, don't wait, and then forget. Uh, and again, uh, if it's something you would love to uh, to be a part of, but just don't have the means right now, the other the other way you can help out, David, uh, is to just share it on social media. So, uh, any last words, David? Anything to say to our listeners as we're finishing up here? No, I just really want to thank the fans for coming out for this one. I love you guys, really appreciate it, and uh, thank you, Jace, for including me on your show. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man, it was great to meet you at uh, at San Diego, and I look forward to bumping into you again at a show in the future. Likewise. Uh, And to all you listeners, we want to uh, really thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.